Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times radio show. You can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1, and you can watch PMQ's Unpacked live on YouTube as it happens every Wednesday at midday. Uh, but that uh, PMQ's Unpacked is, of course, coming up on uh, on the podcast in just a moment. But first, I mean, there's an awful lot going on. I think by the time I came off air, 18 ministers had resigned. Several other uh, Conservative MPs had withdrawn support for Boris Johnson. Uh, so it was a busy old morning. I was delighted to be joined for today's columnist panel by two political journalistic legends. It's Philip Webster and Eleanor Goodman. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yeah, we've got a very, very special columnist panel today to try and put all this into some context. Are we all just getting giddy? Uh, well, let's speak to two people who've been there and done that and seen seen off so many Prime Ministers over the years. Philip Webster is a former political editor of The Times. Morning, Phil. Morning. And former political editor of Channel 4 News, Eleanor Goodman is here as well. Morning, Eleanor. Good morning. I just want to volunteer Boris's worst possible day in the light of that first text you had, that perhaps he gets on a, a plane thinking he's going to Ukraine and ends up in Moscow, <laughs> the only safe place for him. You do wonder uh, how long it's going to be before he heads to Kiev again. Um, right. OK, well, before I get your your assessment of... Um, uh, how how today compares to previous days in history. Let's just take a little trip down memory lane. Bye bye, baby, baby, We're leaving Downing Street for the last time after 11 and a half wonderful years and we're very happy that we leave the United Kingdom in a very, very much better state than when we came here 11 and a half years ago. When the curtain falls, it's time to get off the stage, and that is what I propose to do. I shall therefore advise my parliamentary colleagues that I believe that it would be appropriate for them to consider the selection of a new leader of the Conservative Party to lead the party through opposition during the years that lie immediately ahead. I've been Prime Minister of this country for just over 10 years. In this job, in the world of today, I think that's long enough for me, but more especially for the country. And sometimes the only way you conquer the pull of power is to set it down. Only those who have held the office of Prime Minister can understand the full weight of its responsibilities and its great capacity for good. Above all, it was a privilege to serve. And yes, I love the job. But the British people have made a very clear decision to take a different path. And as such, I think the country requires fresh leadership to take it in this direction. I love this country, and I feel honoured to have served it. The second female Prime Minister, but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. Right, so you, you reported on, on all of those. How close do you think we are to adding Boris Johnson to that montage? Pretty close. Uh, I think the arithmetic is now against him. After all, you only need 32 people who supported him uh, earlier last month in the first vote of confidence to switch. And this morning, there have been quite a few already 
parliamentary private secretaries uh, resigning, other senior figures saying that they've lost confidence. So it won't take that long to get up to that 32 figure. And I think uh, there may come a point when Graham Brady, chairman of the 2022 committee, does in fact have to go to Boris Johnson and say, look, the numbers are against you, mate. It's time you really thought about going. Do you think that's what will happen, Eleanor? There's lots of talk in the 1922 committee changing the rules, but actually just the the, the number of public declarations of unhappiness uh, might make, mean that that's a sort of slightly moot point. Well, I think it, it looks now as if the, the, the Cabinet is not going to turn on within the next 24 hours unless um, Sajid Javid gives an absolute dynamite performance in his resignation speech um, at lunchtime, which, you know, it may well have echoes of, of uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Howe's famous resignation speech. So I think what is more likely to happen is the, that um, the more and more MPs become dissatisfied and they, they use these elections for the 1922 committee as a proxy for a vote against him and they vote for candidates who say the rules should be changed to allow another contest and if that happens then it's possible that um, Boris will say he'll stand again I mean more than likely in some ways that he seems to be stuck to the cabinet wall like an oyster at the moment um, and uh, you know he is he has the great advantage that unlike Mrs Thatcher he has, seems to have a cabinet devoid of guts if I may say yeah. so. <laughs> so let's put it as a bit of uh, historical context because if you with the exception I suppose of John Major in that uh, um, uh, list uh, Phil, none of them were, were, and I suppose Gordon Brown, but all the Gordon others, they were sort too. of for, forced out. You know, they were the only ones who actually lost an election. Others, others were done in by their party in one way or another. What's the tipping point, do you think? Let's go back to Margaret Thatcher. What was the moment where she went from being the Iron Lady who was going to go on and on and on? What was what was the, the, the I don't know, was it a small thing that tipped her over the edge? No, no, no. The first thing was the resignation of her Chancellor, which was the, the year before when Nigel Lawson went. And then it all started to... Uh, fall apart. But the big moment, of course, was when Geoffrey Howe resigned and then in his resignation speech said it's time for others to resolve the conflict of loyalties with which I've wrestled for too long. A very, very dramatic statement. The The man who was once labelled the dead sheep was suddenly roaring like a lion. Uh, it was it was a straight incitement to Michael Heseltine to throw down the gauntlet to um, Margaret Thatcher, and that effectively was the end of her because, as we know, she didn't quite get enough votes in that first um, in that first ballot, and then the cabinet went in one by one, and the, this was a this was a much stronger cabinet in those days. Today's cabinet looks like a cabinet of pygmies by comparison. They went in. And they said, look, if you stand again, we'll support you, but you'll lose and Michael Heseltine will win. And that was enough for Margaret Thatcher to go. Um, The procedure then and later when Theresa May went has been altogether more dignified than what we're seeing at the moment. And and where do you put Eleanor uh, ranking Boris Johnson as a prime minister, I mean, he he achieved what Theresa May didn't. You know, he got a big he got a big majority in twenty nineteen. He got Brexit done in inverted commas. If this is the end of him, will he be remembered for the manner in which he left, or do you think he has secured his place in history for another way? 
Well, I think that that is the question which must he must his friends must be saying you must consider because it's just a vestige of an opportunity that he might be remembered as the great campaigner who took the Tory party into parts it hadn't been for generations. But that memory is being so overshadowed by his the, the allegations about his integrity, the way he governs, his lack of grip. And I think the longer he stays, obviously, the, the, the greater the chance that his, memory, his legacy will be seen as a terrible one. Um, I, I, there's still a chance, I suppose, that he may say, I mean, he's put this rumour around to try and get people to back him, that he may st- uh, go to the country himself, <laughs> which is just a ludicrous thought because they would be wiped out, out off the map at the moment. Um, but does he does he really understand? Is he capable of understanding how badly he's seen in the country now? And does he have the kind of friends who would go to him and say that? I mean, the interesting thing, frankly, will be what's Carrie saying at the moment. Does she want him to go on being humiliated like this? Or does she, does she just give him a, a carte blanche to do what he wants? I, I personally don't know the answer to that. But when you think it was only nine days between Geoffrey Howe's speech... And uh, Mrs. Thatcher going. I mean, things. There was a concerted effort by the cabinet to stop her being humiliated. I mean, it may seem that she was humiliated, and when you remember her leaving in tears Downing Street, but they went to her and said, you know, we really wanted in your best interest for you to go. You just don't know who's going to say that to him. And for, for, um, just is there a if he just chooses not to go. Is there a mechanism for getting rid of him? I mean, it does seem... Because, I mean, to some extent, in all the people we've been sort of looking back on, in the end, shame got them as much as anything else. A realisation a bit earlier that the game was up because it would just be too humiliating to be dragged out, kicking and screaming. Um, Well, the only mechanism is the second vote of confidence. That is an actual mechanism. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've just got this feeling that it could happen without that mechanism being brought into play because the the threat of that mechanism was enough for Theresa May to go. She was told, look, if we do have it, she won one vote of confidence quite easily, but she was told, if we have another, you're out. But they're such different kinds of people, aren't they? Their their personalities are diametrically different. You can't yeah, they both, I think in the end, Boris... Does he know the word count. humiliation exists? I think Boris can count. I think Boris Johnson can count. And in the end, if he Not realizes... when it comes to the economy, because he's going to have all these tax cuts and spending increases. <laughs> and he's hoping that Nadine is going to do exactly what he said. But if you think about it, when Mrs Thatcher replaced uh, Lawson with Major... He um, ended up doing precisely what she didn't want, i.e. joining the ERM. So it's it's not even sure that he'd be able to run his own chancellor, as he mm-hmm. seems to jolly assume this morning. Well, exactly. We were told when he, when he brought in Rishi Sunak after Sajid Javid resigned the last time, we were told that, you know, he was the poodle of Boris Johnson and, in, you know, he was the one he was going to do as he was told. Just finally then, if if we are heading towards the end, whether it's today or this week or this month or whatever... Who's your money? Or you've been you've been around long enough to 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 keep an eye on these people. Who's your money on for who will replace him, uh, Eleanor? Well, I'd like to say, and then Phil will testify to this. I was the first one to name John Major all those years back, who was a very modest person at the time. What he seen, 
And I've been saying for some time, as again, Phil will testify, that Ben Wallace could be the man on the grounds that I think the Tory party will want someone completely different in terms, and they will assume uh, with, with no great evidence that someone who's been an army officer uh, is likely to, to be a man of ethics and high morality, and that they will therefore go for him also would continue the link with Ukraine, which would be important. Um, so if, it, if he could get his name on the final two, I think he would be a very strong candidate. Uh, what about you, Phil? I've, I've got a sneaky feeling that Penny Mordaunt might be uh, a serious candidate. Uh, she's from the liberal wing of the party, but she was she very, very fortunately for her, voted for Brexit. And as you know, the decision is made in the end by conservative members who still regard the day we came out of uh, Europe as the greatest day in their lives. So the fact that she voted for Brexit will help her in any election. Also, I suppose the other two we have to mention, the two who had the as Eleanor called it, the, the guts to leave the cabinet yesterday, uh, they may well, by going first, they may well come back into the reckoning. Sunak's had a bad few months, but by going first yesterday, he may have a chance. But, but he did go I've, I've had a sneaky bet. <laughs> I've had a sneaky bet, Matt. You know I'm allowed to bet these days. I've had a sneaky bet some time ago on Penny Morton. So we'll see what happens. What did you guess on that? I'm not going to tell you. He <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't put one on for Ben Wallace for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next time we speak, when Phil's got you know big gold chains on, we know it all. Uh, it, we'll know it all paid off. Philip Webster and Eleanor Goodman there. Right, coming up in just a moment. It was a hell of a session. It's PMQ's Unpacked. That's next on the Redbox Podcast. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman and Patrick Maguire. Living the Lindsay Hall, Megan Mix. 
Hey, so, uh, very good morning to you, gents. Uh, normally it's one or the other, but we felt this is a big enough occasion that uh, it required uh, both of you here. Uh, Tim, your expectations, what are you hearing right now? How bad are things in number 10? How long's he got? All of that in about 30 seconds, please. Uh, well, I don't think he's got very long. I mean, the Prime Minister is doing his best impression of the Black Knight in Monty Python, isn't he? Yelling, tis but a flesh wound, as yet another limb is hacked off. I'm told there are more ministerial resignations coming. I've got at least one name um, that has yet to appear, who I'm told is going to quit at some point today. Uh, I'm told, for what it's worth, there was nobody expected to cross the floor during PMQs. Um, <laughs> Labour sources saying they're not going to do that little trick again. Uh, but it looks like the Prime Minister has at best um, a week... Um, uh, to keep things on the road, um, uh, it doesn't look very good for him at pa all. Patrick, well, actually, if you were a Conservative MP as unhappy, why would you cross the floor? Because you might be about to get a new leader. Well, exactly. There are so many variables. You know, you might fare much better under a Rishi Sunak pre uh, premiership, particularly if you're in a Lib Dem facing seat. That's the fear of the Lib Dems, certainly. Um, then under Boris Johnson. So actually now, perversely, despite the disarray in Gulfy the Tories, it's uh, a good time to stay put. Well, if you are watching along on uh, the YouTube channel, what, how many of us are? We've just broken a thousand. I think that's a new record. Well done, everybody. Boris Johnson's got his uses. Uh, watch along on the YouTube channel. Let us know where you're watching. Uh, you're watching in Ottawa. You're watching in Melbourne. You're watching in Ipswich. All the all the glamour. Um, do tell your friends if there's an opportunity. If ever there's t a time uh, to be watching uh, PMQs unpacked on the Times Radio YouTube channel. Uh, this is it. Um, uh, Tim Shipman, what should Keir Starmer do? Because every time he tries to insert himself into uh, Tory woes, it never sort of quite comes off. No. Well, he needs to remind people of why Boris Johnson has mucked up in the last week. He needs to emphasise, you know, uh, the things that make Tory MPs uncomfortable, that he employed a, a, a alleged sexual predator. Um, and he needs somehow to try and blame the rest of the Tory party for it and say, all these people resigning, they've been propping this bloke up for months and everyone who's staying um, is frankly to blame as well. They were pretty aggressive on that last night, weren't they, Patrick? There was no, you know, congratulating Rishi Sunak for doing the right thing. It was, you are culpable in all of this. Well, this is what a senior Labour source told me this morning. Zero generosity to anybody who resigns. Keir is going to focus on Boris, but we're going after the rest of them. And we've got lots of attack planned on Nadim Zahawi, especially. So that's something to look out for. Keir will go for the jugular here, but I think the rest of the cabinet... Such the phrase I've heard is that they want to contaminate others with Johnson's sins. Well, let's find out what Keir Starmer does. This is uh, the, the, the most extraordinary day in, since the, the last since one. Since the last one. Since the last one. <laughs> it's a pretty big day, this. We could, this, could, this could well be Boris Johnson's last uh, PMQs. Uh, we, I was looking back at the archives. We've said that before. Uh, welcome along if you're listening on Times Radio. Welcome along if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Let's go live to the House of Commons now. This is question number one from Keir Starmer. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, today is the start of the Women's Euros, and I know the whole House will wish the Lionesses the very best of luck in bringing football home. Mr Speaker, it's also... Mr Speaker... I think that's, that's MPs from Northern Ireland uh, pointing out there are other parts of the UK. Terence worked at Hansard by day and Heaven by night before he sadly died of AIDS. The Labour Party and the Terence Higgin Trust are committed to ending new cases of HIV by 2030. Together we can. Mr Speaker, last week a government minister was accused of sexually assaulting a young man. I want to quote the victim's account. 
He says, he grabbed my ass and then he slowly moved his hand down in front of my groin. I froze. I accept that's not easy listening. But it's a reminder to all those propping up this Prime Minister just how serious the situation is. He knew the accused minister had previously committed predatory behaviour, but he promoted him to a position of power anyway. Why? Mr Speaker, that individual, the uh, old member for Tamworth, no longer has the Conservative whip. He no longer has a, a job. He, he is no longer, as soon as I was made aware of the, the allegation that he has just read out, uh, Mr Speaker, and the complaint that was made, uh, he, lost, uh, his, um, he lost his status as a Conservative MP. And he is now the subject, uh, Mr Speaker, of uh, an independent investigation to the uh, Complaints and Grievances uh, panel. And that is entirely right. And I want to say to him, uh, Mr Speaker, I want to say to him that I abhor uh, bullying and abuse of power anywhere uh, in Parliament, uh, in this party or in any other party. OK, let's, uh, let's jump in there as we do on uh, PMQ's Unpacked. Before we unpack that, some breaking news for you. Joe Churchill has uh, just resigned as a health minister. Uh, our beloved country is facing an uncertain future and strong headwinds. A clear, uh, selfless vision is needed. The country and party deserve better, and so with a heavy heart, I decided to resign. Uh, recent events have, sh- have shown integrity, competence and judgment are all essential for the role of Prime Minister, while a jocular, self-serving approach is bound to have its limitations. So what's that, number 15 now, Patrick? 17. 17. I've lost count. I've lost count. Um, let's go back then to uh, unpacking uh, Keir Starmer's uh, first question there, uh, Tim Shipman. Um, actually managed to cause a, quite a moment of drama there in the House of Commons by reciting the allegation against Chris Pincher. Yeah, I mean, you, you get great plaudits in the Commons when you get very, very loud cheering, but the real moments are when it goes completely silent, which it did just then. And, yeah, that was very effective. And Johnson's response, I mean, there'll be Tory MPs looking at that, I'm afraid, and saying, you know, he still can't tell the truth. Because he then said, you know, as soon as I was made aware of that allegation, um, uh, you know, Pincher ceased to have the status of a Conservative MP. I mean, that's just simply untrue. Um, It took them ages to take the whip off him. Um, It was perfectly obvious to the media and to most... uh, uh, sentient members of parliament that Pinch was going to have to use, lose the lip. And Boris Johnson seems to have forgotten that um, uh, it took him, you know, hours and hours, perhaps I forget how long it was. It was now. a day. It was a whole day, yeah. wasn't it? Because yeah. Simon Hart had been sent out on the broadcast yeah. round having to say, well, well the I, story, I would like The incident happened on the Wednesday night. It broke in the sun on the Thursday nights. And it wasn't until seven o'clock on Friday that they yeah. finally withdrew the whip. Having said previously, he's resigned. No further questions. He's done the right no thing. Investigation. He's done the right thing was the number 10 line. So let's see if uh, Keir Starmer can build on what was a pretty uh, dramatic start. We go back to the House of Commons, it's PMQ's Unpacked, and it's Keir Starmer's question number two. Keir Starmer! None of that explains why he promoted him in the first place. And we've heard it all before. We know who he really is. Before he was found out, he's reported to have said he's handsy. That's the problem. Pincher by name, pincher by nature. Now, has the Prime Minister ever said words to that effect? And I'm not asking for bluster and half-truth. We've all had enough of that. Yes or no? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I'm not going to trivialise uh, what happened. Uh, I, and I, I, and I, yes, Mr Speaker, 
Yes, Mr. Speaker, th th I'm not, because the very serious complaints have been raised against uh, the member for Tamworth, and they're now being uh, investigated, Mr. Speaker. It is true. It is true that the com a complaint was uh, raised when he was in the Foreign Office, and the matter was. Uh, resolved. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true, Mr. Speaker, that it was ra raised with me. I greatly regret that he continued uh, in office, and, uh, and, I, and I've, I've said that. I have said that before, Mr. Speaker. I have said that uh, before, Mr. Speaker. But it is now, it is now the subject of uh, an in independent investigation, and, and that is the right thing, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, frankly. I think the people of this country uh, would like also to hear. They would like also to hear about uh, other jobs that are held by people in this country, not least the 500,000 people who got off welfare into work uh, in the last six months alone, Mr. Speaker. Those are things that are making differences to the lives of people up and down the country, and I'm proud of it. I mean, that was I mean, the key. My key takeaway from that was just how muted the response was from the Batman. You know, it, it, to the point actually, I think he just gave up on his usual greatest hits thing because he realised it wasn't going anywhere, Patrick. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's the striking thing, isn't it? The complete lack of um, any affirmative voice or cheers or applause from Tory MPs. Mark Spencer, you can see the Commons leader, looks particularly glum sitting on the front bench. I mean, he often does, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> yes, I was looking at Spencer as well. I mean, the other thing there, I mean, let's be frank, Boris Johnson was asked explicitly uh, by Starmer, did you joke about him uh, being handsy and pincher by name, pincher by nature? And, you know, no denial at all from the Prime Minister. Which you'd have thought this, that would have been a moment to say no. And so if... It, he clearly thinks it. Well, he clearly knows it is both true, and there are other people willing to willing to say it's willing to say so. Yeah. Well, uh, it was extraordinary. I mean, lots of you saying that, um, uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, somebody said, if that's the best he can do, what a shambles on Twitter. Toys on front bench know they're in the wrong, but keep trying to keep a straight face. Uh, didn't answer the question. Uh, anyway, you're watching along. Seventeen hundred people now watching along on YouTube. Are we, are we now influenced? Seventeen hundred. Yeah, it's extraordinary, isn't it? God. We can start selling ads or something. We can go on holiday. Monetise it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the House of Commons now. This is uh, Keir Starman, question number three. No one's cheering that. No denial. And he says the matter was resolved when he means it was upheld. Exactly. And, and they're all sitting there as if this is normal behaviour. Exactly. When that young man reported his attack to a government whip, she asked him if he was gay. When he said that he was, she replied, that doesn't make it straightforward. That comment will sicken anyone who's experienced sexual assault and then be made to feel like they somehow asked for it, or who worry that prejudice means their complaint won't be taken seriously. Will he apologise for those disgraceful comments on behalf of his government? Speaker, I've, 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 I've already said uh, that I regret very much that uh, the uh, member for Tamworth continued to hold office after the complaint was made against him in the, in the Foreign Office. And uh, it, was, it was resolved in the Foreign Office. His apology was accepted. But clearly that was not enough. And in hindsight, Mr Speaker, I should have realised that he would not, he would, he would not change. Labour However, MPs are now shouting Captain to the Hindsight at Boris Johnson. Week, and when I uh, was given the information that uh, he's read out about the complaint that was made against uh, the Honourable Member, I acted immediately, Mr Speaker, and I, I took the whip away from him. And we will not tolerate, we will not tolerate that 
kind of behaviour in this or any other party, Mr Speaker. And what we also want to do is to help people up and down the country with the things that also matter to them, like cutting their taxes, Mr Speaker, by £330 uh, this year, which is what we're doing. Here's Starmer. I mean, it's a slight rehash of what I went before, but all that's just not true. I acted immediately. Not true. Not true. Took 24 hours at least. Uh, um, I, I regret very much as if we had no part in it. Um, and I, I wonder, um, Tim, whether actually this performance might tip a few more Tory MPs over. I think there's every chance of that. I was uh, talking to someone quite senior in uh, uh, Tory High Command this morning, who, and I said, what do you think? Where's this going? And he said, well, some people are going to look at PMQs and some people are going to look at Johnson's performance in front of the Liaison Committee later and they'll draw their own conclusions. And it's quite hard to see from uh, what we're getting so far um, how he's going to get through this afternoon in one piece either. Um, because at the moment, Starmer is not sort of uh, rampaging like Lionel Messi across the pitch here, but he's scored several goals already. And, um, you know, Johnson is looking like Bruce Gobbler with the wobbly legs, but not stopping the ball from entering the net. <laughs> the key thing is, Patrick, that what Keir Starmer's doing is he's asking factual questions which he knows Boris Johnson can't answer. Which compounds Boris Johnson's existing reputation for dishonesty, evasion, obfuscation yeah. among his own colleagues. And that's ultimately what's done for him this week. I think the, the line there he used about Chris Pincher, in hindsight, I should have known that he would not change, as well as being a remarkable thing to say about a sex pest you appointed to a senior role in government, is what Tory MPs will be thinking about their decision to grant Boris Johnson a reprieve last month, I think. In the programme, we used to say, it takes one to know one. Or <laughs> well, the old uh, um, Badil, uh, what's it, um, yeah, you see that, that's, what, that's, that's you that's, that is. That's, that's yeah, you, yeah, that exactly. Is. Um, uh, well, we'll see uh, how it goes. It doesn't really feel like Boris Johnson's doing much to save his skin uh, right now. And in fact, you know, how many times has he said at PMQs, I regret very much that X happened, which I did. Uh, and with hindsight, I wish that, I was fundamentally a different person. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons now. It's PMQ's Unpacked, live on Times Radio, live on the Times Radio YouTube channel. This is question four from Keir Starmer. Doesn't that just sum him up? Awful yeah. behaviour, unacceptable in any walk of life. Yeah. It's there for all to see, but he ignores it. Yeah. It was the same when his ally was on the take from the lobbyists. Yeah. It was the same when his Home Secretary oh, was bullying staff. That's pretty it Patel. was the same when taxpayers' money was being abused. And it was the same when he and his mates parted their way through lockdown. Anyone quitting now after defending all that hasn't got a shred of integrity. Yeah. Mr Speaker, isn't this the first recorded case of the sinking ships fleeing the rat? That's quite a good gag. He, he should hear what he's not saying about him, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, he, he talks about, he talks about in, integrity. Uh, he, wanted, uh, he wanted to install uh, the member for Islington North into number 10, uh, Mr Speaker. That's what, that's what he wanted to do. Imagine, that's imagine Jeremy Corbyn, what he's referring to. world would be like now. Uh, he talks about integrity. He voted, Nadine Doris and Nadine Zahari nodding on the front bench. To overturn the will of the British people and take us back into the European Union. And by the way, listening to his muddled speech the other day, that is exactly uh, what he would do again. Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, he talks about integrity, uh, but uh, Mr Speaker, he has voted time and time again against against sanctions on criminals that would put them behind bars. This is the government that is tough on... 
I'm sorry, he's, he's, he talks about integrity. He's himself facing a criminal investigation, uh, Mr. Speaker, which he asked me to resign. Oh, he's just sat down. Well, there we go. Even he <laughs> couldn't be bothered getting to the end of that sentence, never mind the rest of us. What a model of... What on earth was that supposed to be? Well, Starmer, as we predicted, trying to tie the rest of them into it, saying if you're jumping now, it's a bit too late to be expecting yeah. a pat on the head. Um, and then Boris again, you know, I mean, he tried the that's you, that is, didn't he? You know, you should hear what your side says about your son. Well, that may be true up to a point, but um, I don't think that's their focus this week. And actually, Patrick, if we go back to our investigation into what Keir Starmer's colleagues said about him, the one that's caught on is that he's a bit boring snoring. But what most of them said was he's a decent guy. They don't want to get rid of him. They just want him to step up a bit and have a big idea. It wasn't that they think he's fundamentally unfit to be Prime Minister. Or that he's a liar, or that he would appoint a, a sex pest to his uh, whip's office, or that there are any questions about his personal probity or whatever. If the main criticism, if the only criticism, the most stinging criticism you can make of your opposite number is your colleagues think you're a bit boring, <laughs> on this of all days, it's not going to wash, well, is and it? Well, uh, several people have been in touch today saying, well, if there was a general election right now, give me a bit of boring. I mean, it wouldn't be very good for our viewers on, on the YouTubes. Well, that's exactly what Dominic Cummings said yesterday. He said this boring criticism. The pro he said the problem with Starmer is not that he is boring, because... The boring thing was partly Tory appeal in 2019. You know, we'll get Brexit done and politics will go away for a bit. Obviously, that is quite clearly not what's happened. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's uh, not the stinging Christian Boris Johnson might think. Oh, we're doing quite well. We're almost at 2,000 people watching on YouTube now. So if you are watching on you, if you're not, get online now. And if you are, share it. Tell your friends. Let's see if we can get over 2,000. Just so we can put it in a meeting and people will be pleased with us. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, right, here we go. Uh, this is still PMQ's unpacked. Uh, Boris Johnson is still Prime Minister as um, uh, Keir Starmer does question number five. What a pathetic spectacle. Exactly. The, the, the dying act of his political career is to parrot that nonsense. Yep. And as for those who are left, only in office because no one else is prepared to debase themselves any longer, the charge of the lightweight brigade. <laughs> Oh, Nadine is pretending to laugh on the front for page. For a week, he's Not had funny, them defending his decision to promote a sexual predator. Every day, the lines he's forced them to take have been untrue. First, that he was unaware of any allegation. Untrue. Then, he was unaware of any specific allegation. Untrue. Then, he was unaware of any serious specific allegation. And now, he wants them to go out and say that he simply forgot <laughs> that his whip was a sexual predator. Anyone with anything about them would be long gone from his front bench. In the middle of a crisis, doesn't the country deserve better than a Z-list cast of nodding dogs? Nadine Doris nodding there. Mr Speaker, it's exactly when... When times are tough and when the country faces pressures on uh, the economy uh, and pressures on their budgets, Mr Speaker, and when we have the biggest war in Europe for 80 years, Mr Speaker, uh, that, is when, that is exactly the moment 
that you'd expect a government uh, to continue with its work, not to walk away, uh, Mr Speaker, and to get on with our job and to focus on the things that matter to the people of this country. And that, so we're not only cutting taxes uh, today, Mr Speaker, we're putting £1,200 into every uh, one of the 8 million most vulnerable households in the country, Mr Speaker, thanks to the strength of our economy and thanks to the decisions that we took, Mr Speaker, which he opposed at the time. We pause the action uh, again there. Tim, I'm just thinking what a difference it is to last week. Dominic Raab was having quite a lot of fun last week, but everyone on the front bench was rolling around. Rishi Sunak was laughing his head off. Um, they seem quite... Ch- looking at the front bench now, they look very gloomy. Well, it's like that picture of Cabinet earlier in the week. Wasn't yeah. it? it looked like it was a sort of suicide <laughs> club meeting to ponder how to finish the job. Um Starmer's done pretty well here, hasn't he? I mean, he's he, you know he's been serious and and relentless, and he's had a few good lines. Charge of the lightweight brigade is a good line. You know, ships fleeing the sinking rat is a decent line. Already getting Labour um, staffers claiming credit for that one. So um, Char- charge of the lightweight brigade was also good. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, uh, um, but the good news is we've now got over two thousand one hundred people watching online. There we go. If you speak and they come. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, keep on, uh, <laughs> keep on. Uh, uh, sharing that. Um, Patrick, quite often when we say, uh, how can Keir Starmer possibly miss? He normally does. The mm. higher the stakes, the less good he is. He's showing that actually he has got something about him today. He does. And I think it helps that there is a almost a loyally case he can prosecute here, right? Yeah. He's looking at the evidence and doing his forensic thing, which is his uh, natural register. And the circumstances call for it. It's a natural foil to... Boris Johnson's still remarkably pretty flippant and glib approach to the most serious PMQs of his premiership. Effectively, his audition to remain in office for, you know, five hours rather than five minutes. Uh, you know, and just speaking of Z-listers and nodding dogs, I think Michael Gove's absence from the Treasury bench there is very, very striking. There's no Michael Gove on that bench. Any idea where he is, Tim? I don't, but it was quite striking how long it took him to say that he was supporting uh, the Prime Minister yesterday. There were a good few people who didn't come out very quickly. Uh, and he was one of them. I'm not sure George Eustace is there either, is he? I think some, some of the, the, the slowest to say that they were supporting Boris Johnson, I don't think, are on the front page. Well, the, the number 10 were briefing that George Eustace was for the chop to the sun the other week, so I imagine George Eustace, if he is staying away, might be relishing and not returning that particular favour. You've also got to wonder what Tweez Coffee's doing, given that Will Quince has taken the opportunity, the obvious opportunity, where he was literally lied to, to say, you may be, you know... On a point of principle, you lied to me and I went out and told a lie. Therese Coffey could surely do the same thing to uh, She could do. Um, I mean, Therese Coffey didn't get anywhere this prominent under any previous Prime Minister and might suspect that she wouldn't under another one. Um, actually, she's done an OK, low-key job at DWP. It didn't blow up during uh, the pandemic and become a sort of massive meltdown that a lot of us predicted. Um, but... You know, for someone like that who may not think that they have a great future ahead of them, um, these are difficult decisions. But yeah, it's a little bit surprising when she was right in the eye of the storm. Okay, we go back to the House of Commons now. We'll do question number six from Keir Starmer. Don't worry, we're going to bring you all the others. We're keeping an eye on the backbenches, which frankly, the Tory backbenches is hopefully where all the action is uh, in the next half an hour. But let's see how Keir Starmer can he can he put the cherry on the cake, which he's so far baked. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. It's question number six from Keir Starmer. Starmer. The only thing he's delivering is chaos. I started this session with a quote from the young victim in all this, how he froze when he was attacked. When I was prosecuting rapists, I heard that from victims all the time. Victims said they froze because it's not about sex, 
It's about power. And the power the disgraced government minister had was handed to him by that prime minister. And he's only in power because he's been propped up for months by a corrupted party defending the indefensible. So it's no longer a case about swapping the person at the top. Isn't it clear? The only way the country can get the fresh start it deserves is by getting rid of a lot of them. Mr. Speaker, the difference, the difference between this. Shh. We've got to get through Prime Minister's questions. Lindsay Hoyle. Mr. Speaker, the, the difference between this government and that opposition is we have a plan and they do not. We're, and we're getting on. They want to focus on this type of issue, Mr. Speaker. We're going to get on with our jobs. We're going to control prices, Mr. Speaker, by not giving in to the union barons. They're paid by the union barons, and they're, and they're proud of it. Uh, we were the first European country to arm the Ukrainians, Mr. Speaker. I'm proud of that. And those guys, Mr. Speaker, that the party opposite, the party opposite. Not only do they want to put Corbyn, uh, Mr. Corbyn into Number Ten, uh, the member is into North. But eight of them, including the shadow foreign secretary, the shadow deputy leader, and, and six others, six others voted to get rid of our independent nuclear deterrent, uh, Mr. Speaker. Today we are cutting taxes, we're helping half a million people into work, and thanks to the strength of our economy, we're helping people up and down the country, and we are going to continue to deliver on the mandate I was given. Not a, not a roaring uh, cheer there from uh, Conservative MPs. Um, I just spotted George Eustace is actually up the side of the Speaker's chair. So he has gone in for PMQs, but he's decided not to um, sit alongside his colleagues. No sign of Therese Coffey or Michael Gove, we thought. But someone's tweeted a photo. I don't know. I assume that this is now uh, of Michael Gove outside on the phone. Uh, he's out in uh, the, um, the, the area just below uh, Big Ben. Somebody's t- taken a photo of him. Um, I don't know what that means. Maybe he's listening to PMQs Unpacked. <laughs> As all good people are. What are we up to now? Yeah, 2,200 people are watching. 2,200 people. Who'd have thought? A bit too much sunshine on magic here, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where, so right now, before we do, we'll have Ian Blackford in a minute. That's what you call trailing ahead to make sure people stay tuned. Um, what do we think the impact of that exchange will have on the mood in the Tory party today, Tim? Well, I think... If you go back to 1986, uh, Neil Kinnock arrived at the dispatch box um, and Margaret Thatcher has a resignation letter in her pocket over the Westland affair. He had a wide open goal and he kicked the ball somewhere close to the corner flag um, and Margaret Thatcher carried merrily onwards um, for another four years. Um, I think Keir Starmer, um, in his unflashy way, stuck the ball in the corner of the net often enough there today um, that Tory MPs um, will conclude that this may be the most consequential Prime Minister of the last 20 years, but that his time is up. Patrick McGuire? I think I totally agree with Tim. And if that exchange and Boris Johnson's answers prove anything to Tory MPs, is that to those who, you know, were somehow deluding themselves that this wasn't the case, that he can't change and he won't change. And, you know, his tone, his answers there underline that. Yeah. And that actually, the, the good thing, I mean, we've had some slightly peculiar jokes from Keir Starmer in recent weeks, the ostrich and Star Wars and whatever, but uh, the, sinking, the, the, the first recorded case of sinking ships fleeing the rats, the charge of the lightweight brigade, they have the, 
they have the, the ring of authenticity about them. It sounds like something that Keir Starmer would actually say. Well, they're say. quite funny lines, and they're they and lines. they also say and something. They absolutely they, go right to the heart And they of, go yeah, to yeah. the heart of what the issue is. And, you know, um, we've been quite rude about Keir Starmer over the last few months, but, um, you know, he, credit where it's due. Credit he where did, it's due. He did he's, pretty uh, well today. He's, <laughs> lots of people are getting in touch saying that Michael Gove is listening. If you are listening, uh, Michael, do get in touch. 8722, start message word times. He can get you on. Maybe you can come on and play the quiz if you want to. Um, somebody's... <laughs> Somebody just sent me a picture of they're watching uh, PMQs Unpacked on YouTube and they've got a cardboard cutout of Michael Gove in their front room. I'm sorry, James Humpish. Uh, that says far more about you than it does about me or Michael Gove. Uh, right, uh, let's continue PMQs Unpacked then. Uh, we go back to the House of Commons now. This is the SNP leader in Westminster, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I give every best wish to the England and Northern Ireland uh, ladies football team as we approach the... Euro Championships, there's nothing better than seeing your teams in these finals. Can we also commemorate the passing 40 years ago of Terence Higgins and all those that have died from AIDS and Senna? I'm sure, Mr Speaker, the whole House will want to join with me in passing condolences to the family of friends of the Scottish football goalkeeping legend Andy Gorham, who sadly passed far too early last weekend. He will long live in the memory of the best goalkeeper that many of us have seen. Mr Speaker, it's easy to forget that only 10 days ago, the Prime Minister was dreaming of a third term. (laughs) Mr Speaker, you know, it's often said that a week is a long time in politics, but it turns out that 10 days is truly a lifetime. Because, let's face it, it's a minor miracle that the Prime Minister has even made it through to Prime Minister's questions, and he really ought to see the faces behind him, because, Prime Minister, it really is over. The Prime Minister is desperately clinging on to his own fantasy, but the public can't afford to put up with this farce of a government a minute longer. Today, we should be talking about the Tory cost of living crisis, soaring inflation and the growing cost of Brexit. But instead, it's always, it's always about him. How many more ministers need to quit before he finally picks up his pen and writes his own resignation letter. Perhaps that's what he's doing now. <laughs> actually, actually, Mr Speaker, I was just jotting down some notes on his, on his question, which I thought was uh, excellent when he was talking about the economy, uh, because uh, that is the issue that is the, the country uh, faces, and that, is the, and that is where this government is introducing, I think, the most important solution. Helping, countries, uh, helping uh, families up and down the country uh, with £1,200 uh, going into their bank accounts uh, right now, cutting taxes for 30 million people, £330 tax cut, and helping half a million people into work uh, through the Way to Work scheme. That is a fantastic thing to be get, getting on and doing. That is the priority of this government, and uh, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm glad he, I'm glad he likes it. Ian Blackford. I mean, this is a weird relationship between Boris Johnson and Ian Blackford. They, um, they quite like they the quite dance, like each other. Uh, Get uh, a room. But, you know. <laughs> Boris Johnson was sort of licking his lips and smirking throughout most Ooh, of uh, Ian Blackford's. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, quite telling. You know, he says the economy is the important thing. You know. Yes, and that's why the Chancellor resigned, because he didn't get any publicity for the fact that there was a big tax cut yesterday because of the psychodrama surrounding Boris Johnson. In the previous answer, the Prime Minister said, oh, we've got a plan. But the point is, they don't have an economic plan. They were about to do a joint speech to give us an economic plan, and they disagreed so much that the Chancellor resigned. So, you know, Blackford's right to focus on the economy, and, you know, again, uh, none of these answers is going to convince a single Tory MP uh, that was minded to put a letter in or resign not to do so. Patrick? 
It's interesting, Ian Blackford didn't go quite as hard as you'd expect him to there on the specifics of the Chris Pinchard case. Yeah. That's for the obvious reason that the SNP <laughs> is currently engulfed with a sex pest row of its own over its former chief whip, Patrick Grady. And Ian Blackford has been less than um, sympathetic to the accusers and victims in that case. And indeed, much like Boris Johnson has rallied round uh, the, uh, the cause of the, uh, of the accused there. Um, so no wonder they got on so well. Well, as a special treat, because a special edition of PMQ's Unpacked, we're going to bring you Ian Blackford's oh, second you question. Spoil us. Goodness me. Goodness, nothing to see. We should all move on if we live in the world of the <laughs> Prime Minister. You know, a few weeks ago, I compared the Prime Minister to Monty Python's Black Knight. Actually, turns out I was wrong. That's where Tim Shipman's He's now getting his material for. <laughs> whether, whether he knows it or not, He's now an ex-Prime Minister. But he will leave behind two deeply damaging legacies. I hope the dishonesty of his leadership follows him out of the Downing Street door. But the other legacy is that of Brexit. And that will stay. Because I'm sad to say that the Labour Party now fully supports Mr Speaker, Scotland wants a different future, not just a different Prime Minister. So if the Prime Minister won't resign, will he call a general election and allow Scotland the choice of an independent future, free from the control of Westminster? He had to stop because his voice was running out, I think. His remark that the Labour Party had given up on uh, on returning to the European Union was not greeted with rapture by the benches opposite, and that's because it's not, it's not true. Uh, they want to go back in uh, just as he does. I think that's a, that, is a, that is a terrible uh, mistake. It would be anti-democratic, Mr Speaker. And as for the referendum uh, that he wants, well, we had one of them, uh, as I've told him before, uh, in 2014. Well, there we are. When even accusing Labour of wanting to reverse Brexit can't even muster a <laughs> even making of... up when, when, when one of the big criticisms, you keep saying things which aren't true, in the week that Keir Starmer said categorically the Labour Party is not going to rejoin the EU, not going to rejoin the single market, not rejoin freedom of movement, he stands up at the House of Commons and says the exact opposite. Well, yeah, exactly. And even when sort of partisan truth massaging isn't getting a cheer from Tory MPs, you know Boris Johnson. And on Brexit of all things, you know Boris Johnson's jig. Is well and truly up, I think. Well, talking of which, we've had an awful lot of uh, resignations and um, uh, MPs calling for Boris Johnson to go. Well, from the Conservative backbenchers now, we've got another one. This is the Conservative MP, Gary Sambrook. Mr Speaker, um, yesterday in an attempt to boost morale in the tea room, the Prime Minister said uh, at a table, but there were seven people, MPs in the Carlton Club last week, and um, one of them should have tried to intervene to stop Chris from drinking so much as if that wasn't insulting enough to the people who did try and intervene that night, and then also to the victims that drink was the problem. Isn't it the example, Mr Speaker, but is the Prime Minister constantly tries to deflect from the issue, always tries to blame other people for mistakes, and that at least nothing um, left for him to do other than to take responsibility and resign. Wow, let's just pause that then. Oh, I mean, that's... Applause in the House of Commons. Yeah, it's pretty rare. It's normally when someone stands down after 20 years, and that's yeah. a pretty new MP getting a round of applause. So that's Gary Sandberg, only elected in 2019, Patrick. Yes, uh, one of the so-called pork pie plotters against the Prime Minister. I think of 2019, he represents the most marginal constituency in Birmingham, Birmingham Northfield, and, so, and thus has been alive to the electoral danger Boris Johnson is putting his 
party in for some time. I also thought what was quite interesting there about Gary Sandbrook's question um, and the allegation he made against the PM, accusing the PM of saying that seven Tory MPs had failed to intervene, is again another reminder of how badly Boris Johnson has managed his flock in that he's effectively, again, trying to accuse other people of of culpability of responsibility for his own mistakes. Let's go back now and see what the response was. Say you ought to be embarrassed by clapping. This is not a debate, Mr. Esterson. It's not debating society. This is. This is Prime Minister's questions. I want to get through the questions. There's other people want to catch my eye, and the way to do it is not by clapping. Prime Minister, uh, Mr. Speaker, there's a very simple reason why they want me out, uh, and that is, and that is, and that is because. And that is because they know, Mr Speaker, uh, that, if they, that otherwise uh, we are going to get on and deliver our mandate and win another general election. And that is the reality, Mr Speaker. Nero Wilson. Wow. So I mean, He says they want me out, looking at the Labour benches who clapped, but it was, it was one of his own MPs who stood up and said it. I mean, we are in, well into the realms of a parallel universe here, aren't we? And they just keep coming. Uh, David Davis, you remember, was back in January, stood up and said, for the love of God, man. In the name name of of God, God, go. go. Uh, Let's see what former Brexit uh, secretary sat next to Boris Johnson in Theresa May's cabinet, resigned and Boris Johnson followed him out the door. He's sitting next to Sajid Javid in the House of Commons. Sajid Javid is due to make a resignation statement in a moment. Let's see what David Davis had to say. Davis. Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'd like to draw the... Prime Minister's attention to the words he used in response to my right honourable friend, the member for Worthing, uh, when he asked the question earlier. Six months ago, I called on the Prime Minister to resign because even then it was clear that his approach to leadership and integrity was already creating a pipeline of problems that would paralyse proper government. Today, I ask him to do the honourable thing, to put the interests of the nation before his own interests and before, in, in, in his own words, it does become impossible for government to do its job. Prime Minister. I I thank him very much for the the point that he's... Uh, he's made. He's made again. Uh, I've just got. I respect. I just. I just couldn't uh, disagree with him more. Uh, look at. Look at what the government is doing today. Uh, cutting taxes uh, for 30 million people. Uh, we've just. We've just completed a programme to get half a million people off welfare into work, Mr. Speaker. Thanks to the strength of our economy. Thanks to the position uh, that we're now in, which was. Which was because of decisions that we took that they opposed. And which we'll never forget. Never forget. We have. The, we. We are able to give. 1,200 pounds uh, to 8 million of the poorest uh, and most vulnerable families in this in this country. That is the right thing uh, to do. We're getting on with it, and and we will continue with our active and energetic programme for the benefit of this country, uniting and levelling up and unleashing the prosperity of the entire nation. Final question. There we are. David Davis again sticking the boot in, sitting right next to Sajid Javid. We'll bring you Sajid Javid's statement in just a moment. Very pleased with this alliteration there, wasn't it? A pipeline of problems that paralyse proper government. <laughs> Not quite as dramatic as his, as his moment six months ago, though, Patrick. No, I mean, we knew exactly what David Davis was going to say, what substantive criticism he was going to make. But, you know, again, the most uh, enthusiasm Tory MPs have shown all afternoon is for interventions such as that and Gary Sandbrook's. Yeah, and uh, and Lindsay Hall ticking him off for clapping. Several of you saying he's got that completely over the top. Lindsay, you shut up. You've just made the place look totally out of touch again. So someone on the text. 
That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from.